Welcome to the LexisNexis Torts Law Center podcast. Toxic tort and product liability news from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy's publications and interviews and discussions with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Leslie Bruckner of Public Justice on the U.S. Supreme Court's recent preemption rulings and their impact. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis legal podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Leslie Bruckner is a staff attorney at Public Justice. She joined what was then Trial Lawyers for Public Justice in December 1993, where her areas of practice include Title IX, federal preemption, combating court secrecy, and objecting to illegal or unfair class action settlements. She's been involved in numerous federal preemption cases and has taught appellate advocacy at American University Law School and Georgetown University School of Law. She was co-author of a New England Journal of Medicine amicus brief in the recently decided U.S. Supreme Court case Wyeth v. Levine. Ms. Bruckner, thank you for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. Would you tell us a little more about your background and how you got involved in the issue of federal preemption? Sure. My background is that I have been a staff attorney at Public Justice for over 15 years. Public Justice is a national public interest law firm with its headquarters in Washington, D.C., and we do a wide variety of cases, including consumer rights, environmental protection, civil rights cases, etc. But my particular specialty happens to be fighting federal preemption, which we regard as one of the single greatest threats to victims' rights in the civil justice system. Can you talk a little more about what federal preemption is and why you fight it so strongly? Sure. Federal preemption takes a lot of forms, but for purposes of this discussion, I want to focus on federal preemption in the area of consumer products, because that's where we've seen a lot of activity in recent years. Um, By way of background, federal preemption arises from the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution, which says, and I'm paraphrasing here, that where there's a conflict between federal and state law, then the federal law reigns supreme. And um, where a federal law wipes out a state law by virtue of a conflict or because Congress has decided to occupy the field of an area, that's called federal preemption. Now, federal preemption often arises in product liability cases where the manufacturer of a particular product will claim that its compliance with a federal regulatory standard immunizes them from any liability in the courtroom. The argument that these manufacturers make is that where the federal government has regulated their product and they've complied with the regulation, that they cannot be sued in any court and they cannot be made to pay money to victims of hazardous products no matter how egregious the injuries. Now, at first glance, this seems to make some sense. After all, from a layperson's perspective, if the federal government has set a standard and the manufacturer has met it, then it simply wouldn't be fair to hold the manufacturer liable. And one would think that there would be no safety problem there because the federal regulations are designed to ensure that the products are safe. But in the real world, federal preemption is a disaster from the standpoint of public health and safety. Because in reality, 
government standards designed to regular consumer products like automobiles and prescription drugs and medical devices, to name a few, are not sufficiently protective. And that's not a mistake. Congress understood that the government couldn't keep on top of everything. In many cases, what Congress did is it would pass a statute giving a federal agency the authority to create minimum safety standards to assure that at a minimum a product is at least marginally safe. But Congress also understood that it was important to create an incentive for manufacturers to stay ahead of the curve as as technology developed and as it turns out the products may have been more hazardous than the agency initially realized, that the tort system created an incentive for manufacturers to create um, to make their products safer and to do better than the minimum standards that the government requires. What's happened, though, is that manufacturers have twisted the system in their favor by successfully arguing in many, many areas that mere compliance with a minimum safety standard gives them complete immunity from liability. And this can have disastrous results in terms of public health and safety. So preemption can exist in a number of different areas, but you focused primarily on the medical devices and prescription drugs arena, correct? Yes. Lately, it has been my focus because there have been two very high-profile decisions from the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in the past six months dealing with prescription drugs and medical devices. Well, if we take them in the order in which they were decided, first let's talk about the Supreme Court decision on preemption with regard to medical devices. What's going on with the medical device preemption? Well, I'm afraid that the current situation with regard to medical device preemption is not good. For years, manufacturers of complex medical devices, such as pacemakers, for example, have relied on federal preemption to say that they can't be sued. Their argument has been that so long as their medical devices comply with the minimum federal safety standards, they are immune from suit no matter how dangerous their device turns out to be. Some courts have accepted this argument. A lot of courts have rejected it, saying that the mere fact that the federal government has approved the particular medical device doesn't mean a manufacturer can't be sued because it may in fact be the case that the medical device is more dangerous than the federal government anticipated and could and should have been made safer. Last year, the issue reached the Supreme Court in a case called Regal versus Medtronic. And there, in what we regard as a terrible ruling for consumer rights and health and safety, the Supreme Court held that the manufacturers of medical devices that have received so-called pre-market approval from the FDA, that's the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, are completely immune from design defect or failure to warn claims. And this decision has caused an enormous outcry among consumer safety advocates because it basically stripped medical device manufacturers from any incentive to make their products safer. And it also meant that victims of medical devices have no means of obtaining any compensation for their injuries. The only way to fix the decision in Regal is congressional action. And in fact, just last week, I believe, a bill was introduced in Congress to reverse the decision and basically give consumers back their rights to sue. 
but we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. Luckily, the Supreme Court has just issued another decision that may enhance the odds of that bill being passed. And that was, of course, the Wyeth versus Levine decision, which dealt with the prescription drug preemption. A little different outcome, huh? <laughs> you can say that. Wyeth versus Levine is a decision that was an enormous victory for consumer rights. The case involves prescription drugs, which are also subject to approval by the FDA. But prescription drugs are governed by a very different statute. Congress said one thing to the FDA with regard to medical devices, and it gave the FDA a different set of instructions with regard to prescription drugs. And as it turns out, the Supreme Court interpreted the different kind of instructions that Congress gave the FDA with regard to prescription drugs as defeating any claims of federal preemption. And, and here's how it works. For years, courts have held that the victims of dangerous prescription drugs could sue the drug manufacturers for failure to warn. In recent years, however, a lot of courts have started to accept drug manufacturers' arguments that they cannot be held liable for failure to warn so long as the FDA initially approved the drug's label. Now, the problem with this argument from a legal standpoint is that the FDA's own safety regulations state that the manufacturers have an obligation to improve their labels if it turns out, once the drug is out there being taken by millions of consumers, that the label is not sufficiently protective of health and safety. And given this regulation, it's hard to see how there could possibly be a conflict between a failure to warn claim and the FDA's approval of a drug's label. And the U.S. Supreme Court just agreed with that in the Wyeth versus Levine case. Uh, it was a six to three decision in favor of the plaintiff who had lost an arm due to the improper injection of a prescription drug called Phenergan. She sued the drug manufacturer, Wyeth, on the ground that the drug's label did not adequately warn of the risks of the injection. And Wyeth said to the Supreme Court that it couldn't be sued because federal law prohibited it from improving the, uh, from improving the label without getting prior permission from the FDA. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected that argument outright, saying that federal law actually permits and encourages drug manufacturers to make their labels safer and that there's no conflict whatsoever between a state tort claim and the federal regulations governing prescription drugs. Now, it's hard to overstate the importance of this decision. If Wyeth had come out the other way, then no victims of prescription drugs would ever be able to sue drug manufacturers for failure to warn. And this would have been a health and safety disaster for this company. And the reason is, is that in recent years, the FDA itself has admitted that it simply does not have the resources to police the safety of prescription drugs. This is particularly true after a drug it initially approved is widely distributed in the marketplace. The FDA does not have the resources to track whatever new risks may emerge, and it has very little leverage to force the drug manufacturers to change their labels. What the Supreme Court recognized in Wyeth is that Given this terrible situation at the FDA, where the agency itself says, hey, we can't do our job, the Supreme Court recognized that the tort system, by that I mean common law, failure to warn lawsuits, are a vitally important incentive to keep 
drug manufacturers improving their labels to make sure that the public and that doctors know all about the risks of their drugs. And so that's why Wyeth has been hailed as one of the most important health and safety decisions of the decade. And you were the co-author of an amicus brief in that case. I, um, along with uh, my co-counsel, Gerson Smoger, who is an an attorney um, from Texas, who is actually the current president of the Public Justice Foundation, we co-authored a brief on behalf of of 10 current and former authors and editors of the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, And this was a pretty big deal because the New England Journal of Medicine has never before filed an amicus brief in any court. But the editors and publishers of the journal felt so strongly that federal preemption of prescription drugs posed a serious threat to public health and safety that they felt they needed to come before the court and explain the deficiencies that the FDA has in terms of policing the risks of prescription drugs. What impact do you think the Wyeth decision is going to have with respect to medical devices? As a purely legal matter, the The decision won't have much impact because, as I said before, medical devices are subject to a different statute and a different set of regulations. And so from a purely narrow legal perspective, the decisions are distinct and both will still continue to remain on the Supreme Court's books. But as a political matter, I believe that the Supreme Court's ruling in Wyeth could be very, very important in terms of getting a bill through Congress overturning the regal decision and giving the victims of of defective medical devices their rights to sue. And the reason is, is that if you think about it, these two decisions create this bizarre dichotomy between victims' rights to sue for defective medical devices versus victims' rights to sue for defectively labeled prescription drugs. Under regal, you cannot sue a manufacturer of a defective medical device, no matter how terrible the device turns out to be. Under Wyeth, however, you can sue a prescription drug manufacturer for failure to warn. And that just doesn't make any intuitive sense because God knows a defective medical device can be just as dangerous or even more dangerous than a prescription drug. Actually, the plaintiff in the Regal case died after a... uh, a medical device, a balloon catheter, had been implanted in his chest and and burst. So I think that from the congressional perspective, the fact that six justices of the Supreme Court have just upheld victims' rights to sue in the prescription drug context and specifically affirmed the importance of the civil justice system in terms of enhancing public health and safety by giving drug manufacturers an incentive to improve their labels, I think that will give members of the the Senate and the House an incentive to go ahead and enact legislation to overturn Regal and give victims of medical devices the same rights that victims of prescription drugs already enjoy by virtue of Wyeth versus Levine. You think Wyeth is going to have an impact in other areas? I do, I do. I think Wyeth could have um, a ripple effect in a number of other areas. And on this point, a little background is important. What happened with regard to FDA preemption is a classic example of political manipulation of the regulatory system. For years and years and years, the FDA itself embraced 
common law failure to warn claims as a very important complement to the agency's own efforts to make sure that drug labels were safe. And so the FDA has always taken the position that there's no federal preemption of failure to warn claims. But in 2006, the FDA issued a statement, which was part of a preamble to a federal regulation, that said that in its view, all prescription drug failure to warn claims should be preempted because they would conflict with the agency's exclusive authority to regulate drug labels. Now, this was a 180-degree reversal from the agency's prior position, and it was clearly done at the behest of the folks in the Bush administration who don't like the tort system and are trying to preserve manufacturers' rights to just go about their business without being bothered by lawsuits. In Wyeth versus Levine, the U.S. Supreme Court specifically rejected the FDA's preemption preamble, saying that the FDA had no business stating its opinion about the legal effect of failure to warn lawsuits. And the reason that that's important is that the FDA is not the only agency that has attempted this tactic in recent years. Under the Bush administration, we've, had, we've seen similar regulatory preambles passed by the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and I believe also the administration, the agency that governs railroads. And I believe that the Supreme Court's decision in Wyeth may go a long way towards establishing that those preambles those other attempts by agencies to achieve federal preemption by regulatory fiat will not succeed and will be struck down. I think that Wyeth, the other reason that Wyeth is very, very important is something I alluded to before. The Supreme Court's decision is quite extraordinary in the sense that it contains such a powerful endorsement of the positive public health and safety impacts of the tort system. Justice Stevens, who wrote for the majority, went out of his way to note that the civil justice system, and particularly tort claims, create a powerful incentive for manufacturers to make their products safer. And the court specifically wrote that the tort system works hand-in-hand with the federal regulatory system to ensure the safety of prescription drug labels. And interestingly enough, even the dissenting opinion, which was written by Justice Alito, said that We believe that often the tort system is a very good thing and can promote health and safety and work hand-in-hand with the federal regulatory system. So the dissent went on to hold that, to say that they they thought that there should be preemption because they thought that there was a specific conflict given the regulatory history of the particular drug at issue in, in that case. But in any event, the point I'm trying to make is that you've really got nine justices of the U.S. Supreme Court agreeing that the tort system is a good thing. And I think in that sense, Wyeth may be very helpful in defeating and fighting against um, so-called tort reform efforts across the country. And even with the Wyeth decision, there's work to do and preemption issues to address? Even in the area of prescription drugs, the U.S. Supreme Court left open a small window for drug manufacturers to continue to claim Um, federal preemption. The court said that there may be federal preemption in a case where a defendant can prove that the FDA would not have approved the warning label advocated by the plaintiffs. Justice Stevens made clear that that is a very, very heavy burden and that the burden lies on the defendant to make out that sort of proof. But I expect that 
drug manufacturers will attempt to take advantage of that language, and so there will still be some litigation regarding prescription drugs. There's also continues to be huge fights over federal preemption in the motor vehicle area. Several years ago, the Supreme Court decided a case called Geyer versus Honda, which held that claims that a car was defective because it lacked an airbag were preempted by a federal regulation that permitted manufacturers but did not require them to include an airbag. And Geyer has spawned a whole host of lawsuits claiming federal preemption in other auto defect areas. For example, we've got a lot of litigation about whether a manufacturer can be held liable for not using laminated glass in the side windows of cars. A lot of manufacturers include what's called, use what's called tempered glass, which shatters on impact, causes all sorts of trouble for automobile occupants. And there have been a lot of lawsuits about whether or not manufacturers can be sued for not using laminated glass, which the federal government permits but does not require. There's also a lot of litigation about whether or not auto manufacturers can be sued for not including uh, the proper sort of safety seat belts in the rear center seats of their cars. There's also going to be litigation in the consumer products area. There's litigation, preemption litigation ongoing in the railroad area. And there's also preemption litigation ongoing with regard to various consumer protection statutes, such as the statutes that govern banks and that sort of thing, and economic type of statutes. So the fight is, is very, very far from over, unfortunately. But for right now, I'm going to allow myself to be glad about Wyeth versus Levine until we take up the gauntlet in another matter. Well, Ms. Bruckner, thank you very much for sharing your insights and views on the Wyeth versus Levine case and preemption in general and for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Leslie Bruckner, staff attorney at Public Justice. LexisNexis podcast voted top legal-oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal blog 100. The annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers, as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. This has been the LexisNexis Torts Law Center podcast. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. Visit the LexisNexis Torts Law Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexis.com communities. LexisNexis, total practice solutions.